DCTV Podcast is holding its fifth annual charity fundraiser this Saturday, June 29th, to raise money for Magic Wheelchair, a nonprofit organization that builds epic costumes for kiddos in wheelchairs at no cost to families. Shows all across the DCTV Podcast Network will be broadcasting live and wired on Mixler.com slash DCTV Podcasts from 10 a.m. to 10 p.m. Eastern. For a full marathon schedule and information on how to donate to Magic Wheelchair, visit dctvpodcasts.com slash fundraiser. Hi, I'm Elizabeth Noyce, and you're listening to Supergirl Radio. Radio, your source for all things related to the CW Supergirl TV series and the character of Kara Zor-El. My name is Rebecca Johnson. I'm Morgan Glennon. And for this episode of the podcast, we are joined by Andrea Towers, author of Geek Girls Don't Cry, Real Life Lessons from Fictional Female Characters, to discuss how the CW Supergirl addresses mental health. Welcome to Supergirl Radio, Andrea. Thank you. I'm very happy to be here. I love that I finally get to guest on your podcast after listening to you guys for so long. Oh, that's very good. (laughs) Well, thank you for listening. And uh, we're excited to talk to you about uh, the content of your book and especially your your chapter on Supergirl. Uh, but before we get into all of that, uh, we, every time we have a new guest on the podcast, we want to know more about that guest's history with the character Supergirl. So when or how did you first encounter uh, Kara Zor-El. So I'm going to say something right at the start of the podcast that will either get everyone to give me a chance or that will <laughs> have everyone just like zooming out of this podcast, in which case I'm really sorry. Um, but I started reading comics and have kind of always been into superheroes as a Marvel girl. And that was like where my superhero love started. Um, no, probably for no particular reason, but probably just because that's what I was exposed to as a kid with like the animated shows and the X-Men stuff. And that's like was kind of my gateway. And so it kind of took me a while to figure out that there were other like superheroes out there. Um, but I mean, part of the the thing I always loved with Marvel when I read like their superheroes is that I always gravitated kind of obviously towards the female superheroes um, because I mean, I love... I love all the guy superheroes. I have my, I have my favorites, but obviously you kind of, you kind of gravitate towards people who are similar to you, or you can see their struggles in, you know, because of their gender and because of the same gender. Um, And so when I kind of transitioned into finding other characters, like when I 
looked at DC comics and started to kind of see what was out there in terms of what I could read and what characters were out there. Um, I kind of did the same thing that I had done with my comic history with Marvel, which is that I basically went to like, cool. So like Superman's great and Batman's great and like Green Arrow's great, but where's like the female superheroes? What can I read? <laughs> Where are my ladies at? <laughs> like, I was like, where's Super- like, there's Supergirl and there's Batgirl and there's Wonder Woman. And I was like, okay, like, this I can get down. <laughs> um, and so that was kind of like my gateway into finding uh, Supergirl herself and um, kind of broadening my horizons in on female characters and the D- in the DC family in general. Um, and then I uh, started reading the new 52 stuff uh, a couple years ago. Um, and I think they did a lot of the new Supergirl stuff and then the DC rebirth, I think had, um, a couple titles and I was, so I was reading those. Um, and then honestly, when the show started a couple years ago, that kind of got me back into reading more about the character, um, more, I guess, more like passionately than I would have because because I was just so excited that I that there was finally like a female-led superhero show on the CW Um, this was like yes like I finally get to see this character and like I want to learn more about her and all this stuff and so um and I think kind of vice versa that like because that content came out uh like that was all kind of coming out around the same time uh there was more like more stories and more comics put out like just um, because of, of the CW show. So, um, so that's kind of my weird, like roundabout way of becoming like involved with the character. Um, I will say, and I'll probably talk about this a little more in, as we get into talking about the book, but, um, there were certain characters in the book and Supergirl was one of them where I really learned a lot that I didn't know about the character just because I had to research so many specific storylines and I had to really kind of dig deep and like past all the, the surface stuff that people knew or that people were familiar with. Um, and that was really kind of cool for me because I felt like I got to learn about her in a, a whole new different way. Well, I'm glad to hear that the show has had a positive impact on you with the character of Supergirl. I think a lot of us feel like that, that the show has done a really good job with the character and uh, getting more people to become fans of Kara. So we're glad to hear that. And I will forgive you for your uh, your your deep dive into the Marvel fandom. Uh, <laughs> that's uh, That will be excused and accepted here on Supergirl Radio. We are okay with Marvel fans as well, Um, because you do feature uh, some Marvel characters in Geek Girls Don't Cry. So um, so since we're we're sort of talking about your book and uh, your uh, interest in female superheroes and female characters. So we're kind of curious what what inspired you to actually sit down and write uh, this book, Geek Girls Don't Cry? Um, so when I started kind of coming up with the concept, it was during a period of my life a few years ago when I was um, kind of personally not in the best place, like mental health wise, um, for myself. And I had kind of gotten to, I was freelancing um, and I kind of couldn't find like a good day job and I really wasn't like happy with anything I was doing and it was kind of all taking a toll on me. And, um, and so I 
so what I would kind of do when I was alone all day to make myself kind of feel better and not fall into like a whole depressive hole of terrible things was um, like I would reread my favorite comics. I would watch my favorite movies. I would um, like listen to my favorite podcasts and or I would watch parts of like my favorite TV shows. And um, and that's kind of always how I have dealt with difficult things in my life. Um, if I kind of trace that back and look back to high school and probably even elementary school and middle school and college. And like when I was having a hard time, I always like gravitated towards some passion or obsession that was, um, either like a fictional character or a character in a book or a character in a movie or something that I kind of felt a connection towards. And I would use that, um, I would kind of use what I felt towards those characters to make myself feel better because I would kind of see myself and my struggles in them. Um, and I kind of had a weird light bulb moment, like while I was going through this, I'm like, Hey, this is something that is actually that maybe people could like find, um, useful <laughs> or something that other people also deal with. Um, so I sat down, I kind of, um, crafted an outline that was really just I mean the core of the book when I started um when I started it was really like pop culture and mental health and kind of how we could um see ourselves or get through our struggles by using you know fictional characters um particularly um I focused on female fictional characters because when I started to think about um, what I started to brainstorm about doing this book and really looked into, okay, well, who could I feature? What characters could I feature? Or is there like really enough for a book here? Um, I started with what I knew, which were basically all my favorite characters. Um, so I mean, characters like Wonder Woman, characters like Black Widow and Captain Marvel and Katniss and Scully from the X-Files. And like, I had kind of like a list of okay, I know I can put these in the book, but obviously like that's not going to be enough for a book. So who else can I put in there? And I went searching for like, you know, either comic characters in mental health or movie characters in mental health. And pretty much every single list that came up was entirely all male. And it was all characters that people pretty much knew about, like Superman and Batman and Iron Man and, um, and so I was like, so great. There's a lot of stuff out here about men dealing with issues. There's not a lot that spotlights women whose issues are just as important, if not sometimes more of a struggle than what men go through. Um, I'm going to see what I can do about that. Mm -hmm. And so that's pri primarily why I decided, I mean, aside from my own passion towards female characters in general, and that's why I decided to kind of gear my book specifically towards um like female fictional characters in pop culture. I have to say this book is right up my alley because I can identify with a lot of what you talked about uh, because five years ago I went through cancer and when I was going through that, I had my movies and TV shows that were sort of like my uh, comfort food, if you will, when I was going through that. So, th so I have a lot of unpopular opinions as Morgan well knows, uh, but, <laughs> but, uh, so like during that time I watched, uh, Zack Snyder's man of steel a lot because that movie made me feel better about life. You know, seeing 
Superman Save the World made me feel better about my situation. Uh, I watched uh, Arrow season two at that time was airing and I could see myself in Laurel Lance as she was going through her spiral into her drinking and her pills and all that kind of stuff. And seeing her climb out of that at the end of season two really inspired me. And uh, I, I think that there is something to that about being able to go through a journey with a character to to sort of bring you out of a funk you're in or some sort of uh, sickness or some trial that you're you're going through. So I think that's really awesome that that inspired the book. I think that makes uh, the book content, you know, the contents of the book um, really shine for me. Uh, So I think that's a a really awesome story. Yeah, Yeah. I think it's super relatable. I feel like a a lot of us do that because I know I have my like, I had a bad day and I have my like go-to TV shows or movies or, you know, comics or books or whatever that I like, I, I, I'm going through a rough patch and I just want to spend time with these characters who I like to watch grow and evolve or deal with their own struggles and, and take the messages from the, that. So I think that, especially cause I, I think I read the whole book in like a weekend cause I had a, a cold. So I was like, <laughs> and I was like, well, this is good timing for me because I got the book in the mail and I was like, yes, that's what I'm doing. But, uh, <laughs> I will say, I was like, wow, I watch and read a lot of stuff because I think there was maybe one or two characters in the book where I was like, I don't know that person or like, I haven't watched <laughs> watched that show and I was like Morgan you need to get out (laughs) every chapter I was like yes Black Widow yes Wonder Woman (laughs) and then and then I got to the end and I was like should I be concerned that I knew like every single character (laughs) no you make up for people like my parents who I'm going to call out who I love dearly but know like one character in the book and (laughs) and like that's it Morgan that just means you're a very well read and well uh you know, real well-rounded person. I'm like, it's like a jack of all trades. I'm like a geek of all trades. <laughs> I dabble here and there. <laughs> well, uh, since uh, Andrea, you did incorporate a lot of different characters from different genre. Um, why did you want to include a chapter on Supergirl? When I started writing the book, um, my initial pitch. So, like I was saying, my initial pitch was like really, you know, pop or pop culture and mental health. But when I submitted the book to my agent and publisher, the actual um, kind of focus of the book was specifically superheroes and mental health, because that's what I thought I could really like focus on and get the most mileage out of. And then my agent was like, so I really like this idea and this is really creative and like, this is great, except I'm kind of hesitant because I don't think just a superhero book is going to be able to really like fill a whole book and it's kind of niche and like would you be open to expanding the book to like other parts of pop culture and like bringing in you know different women from like games and movies and that kind of stuff and to kind of broaden the like the characters that are in there um which obviously I ended up doing but um kind of because of that because it started out as a superhero based book um and it wasn't just comics it was like the superheroes and the movies and TV shows, um, Supergirl was someone who was always in there, like through every iteration of this table of contents, which was a lot of iterations. (laughs) There were a lot of characters that were dropped and there were characters that were added and like characters that I 
decided to change at the last minute. Um, but it's, it's kind of cool that, um, just because of the nature of the book, because I knew that I had wanted to include her because I knew, even though I was primarily focusing on the CW show, um, character of Supergirl and not, uh, the comics, even though there's comic background in the book, just to explain her origins a little bit. Um, she was a character that has kind of been there from the beginning, which is really only true for like a handful of characters, even like other comic characters weren't always there from the beginning. Um, so, so I kind of like that and it kind of makes me, um, it kind of makes me feel happy about the fact that not, I mean, every woman obviously in the book deserves to be there, but, um, I really wanted to include her, um, mostly because, I thought it was important for people that might not be familiar with the show or might not be familiar with the comics um, to, you know, to know her and to understand her. And, and like I said, when I was, uh, you know, when I was researching everything that came up about people, you know, fictional characters who struggled with mental health issues were all men. And I think I write about this um, like a little bit in my, introduction but it's like everyone knows about Superman and everyone knows what he went through and everyone knows like his struggles and I mean essentially Supergirl is like the exact same thing and she also crash landed here with like no family and she had to pick herself up and kind of you know figure out how to integrate into the world and deal with her anxieties and you know the difference is that she probably had even more of a hard time because by the time she'd gotten here, you know, Superman had already done everything for her. So she was just kind of left to inherit everything and be like, okay, cool. So now my job is just to protect the world. Like that's, that's great. I already feel so much pressure from like inheriting <laughs> all of it from, <laughs> from you. That's awesome. And, and like, so to me, like that kind of, of story and knowing that and knowing that most people probably wouldn't think about that or realize that because there's the characters that you know, and that you're familiar with. Um, I really wanted to spotlight her and show that, you know, she was someone who, um, you know, who really worked past a lot of um, a lot of mental health stuff and really kind of came into her own as as a hero who we can look up to. Yeah, Supergirl and Superman do have uh, similarities in their origin, but I personally think that uh, Kara's, Supergirl's, is a lot more tragic because she actually lived on Krypton for a time. She had friends, she had family, she knew the culture, she lived there. And so when Krypton explodes... She loses her whole life, all of her family, all of her friends. Um, and so with with Cal, with Clark, he can't miss what he doesn't know. You know, it is sad, still sad for him because he doesn't know uh, the Kryptonian culture. He does, he never grew up with his parents. But it's, it's kind of, I, I don't want to say easier for him to miss, but it's much harder for Kara because she does know all those things. So, yeah, I would agree with you that there are parts of... Kara that she has to struggle with a lot more than than say Clark would. Um, so since you you based a lot of your chapter around the the CW Supergirl series, what what are some examples uh, of of ways that the show deals with and handles uh, mental health issues? Um, so a big one that I wrote about um, was the red kryptonite that she deals with, um, which I kind of use, which I, after um, 
kind of after researching and also rewatching the episode, um, was really kind of like a metaphor for, um, like her, for Kara's, you know, depression and her, um, and anxiety. And, and I thought that was actually a really, I thought that was a really clever way of showing, um, kind of showing how even if you're fine on the outside, you can still have those issues that not everyone sees and maybe not everyone understands. Um, and I think the, um, one of the things that I love about how they handled the, um, the red kryptonite stuff and how they tied it into Kara's mental health is that at the end when she gets cured or, you know, when she's finally free of it, um, she apologizes to everyone. She apologizes to Alex. She apologizes to everyone she hurts. And because she says like, I'm sorry, like I said those terrible things to you. I did like, she owns up to what she said because she recognizes that that was bringing out a part of her that did exist, that it's not that she was saying those things because she was someone else. Like she does feel those things and she does regret saying them, but also it's a part of her that was amplified by this, um, you know, by this power. And that's a part of her that she had, that she has to deal with that people don't really see that she keeps like under wraps. And I thought that was a really powerful way to, um, kind of make the distinction between like, you know, when you're, when you're suffering from like a depressive episode or you're in the heated moment with something, um, that, you know, you do say things that you, you know, maybe wouldn't say if you were in the right headspace, or you do feel things that sometimes make you feel guilty, but, um, but like by not, but by accepting them and kind of not pushing them under the rug, you can at least accept that, okay, this is a part of me that I'm dealing with. And this is, and hopefully you have people around you who understand and will help you grow from that. Um, and I thought, and I just remember like watching, that episode, the first time I watched it without even, um, like having my, anything for like my book in mind, just watching it. Like I felt really affected by it because I immediately made the distinction. Like I could kind of figure out what the writers were going for and what like the, and the directors were going for. And then when I started researching specifically for the book and started reading about the episode and reading like reviews and um, like analysis of how people saw the episode and what it said about Kara's character, um, it really kind of opened my eyes to how the show really does deal with significant mental health stuff. And it's stuff that you wouldn't necessarily think about just because it's a CW show and I don't mean this in a bad way, but CW shows aren't necessarily like known for tackling huge, you know, serious issues straight up front that you would expect. Well, uh, handling them well, I think is the (laughs) distinction. (laughs) I say this with love. (laughs) Yes. No, we, we understand. Uh, they, they have lofty goals sometimes. They reach for the stars, but they don't always make it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but um, Falling is such a great episode from season one. I think uh, most Supergirl fans, I, I know, Morgan, I know you like that episode. I like that episode. Oh, I love that episode. Uh, it, Melissa does, uh, you know, she's, she has such a great performance in that episode. And, and the, the, the red kryptonite really does remove all of her, fil- her filters, basically. She is free to say whatever she thinks and and feels and 
uh, sometimes I guess that could be a good thing and a bad thing because you want to be able to uh, tell people how you're feeling about something, whether that's good or bad, whether it's positive or negative, just to be able to get it out. Um, but sometimes that could hurt people's feelings or it could result in a, a negative you know, situation uh, that could have consequences to it. But I think you made a really good point, Andrea, that having people around you when you have that that situation when you want to say those things who will forgive you, who will uh, be there to support you. I think that's what, to me, makes the difference is that Kara had, you know, a big fight with Alex when she was on Red Kryptonite, but Alex understood and Alex uh, could could understand how she was feeling and know that that was part of how she really felt, but also she wanted to still love her as her sister. And so I, I do think that that's important and that really makes the difference for her in that episode. Yeah, and I also um, I also think that, and what I think Supergirl does really well is they really show a good concept of found family. Um, because between, um, you know, between Lena and Alex and James and, Space you Dad. know, even Kat. <laughs> <laughs> I um, but uh, but they really, you know, they really do focus on um, the fact that no matter, you know, what you're going through, as long as you have a very good group of people around or people who understand you or people who are going to be there for you, um, it's much easier to get through those things. And, and I think the important thing is that it doesn't have to be blood family. I mean, obviously, Kara and Alex are sisters, but I mean, everyone, she's just as close to everyone else in, you know, her little circle as, uh, you know, as if they were like a blood family. And Morgan, since we uh, uh, in season four, we uh, struggled a little bit, I guess is fair to say, uh, with the uh, with the Kara Alex mind wipe and how uh, the separation uh, yes. of them uh. as sisters kind of went away and uh what what do you think is important about Kara and Alex's sisters and how that plays into uh Kara having you know positive mental health uh experiences uh, have, having seen what happens when they're separated apart why why do you think that uh is important for the both of them I mean I I think that it kind of goes back to um Kara's upbringing really like when she when she arrived on earth um you know when she kind of joined her family I mean Alex was the person that really grounded her um you know Alex was I mean as you were saying she she did come from a life she remembered and now she kind of had to start all over and it was kind of I mean to go from um to like go from her own planet to some unfamiliar world and deal with, you know, know that she had powers and she was different, but also feel like she had to fit into a whole new family. Like that was obviously overwhelming. And, um, as we've seen in flashbacks, um, we know that Alex, you know, never, or I don't think ever, um, as far as I can remember, this is like, it's been like four seasons of the show, but I'm pretty sure there was never a point when Alex was like, eh, like you're kind of weird, but I guess <laughs> like, I don't know, maybe I'll like you eventually. You're like this weird alien. Like Alex was always there for her and she was always, you know, there to help her. She was always there to accept her. She, um, like she's the reason why Kara could have that, that normal 
childhood, that feeling of family. And I don't think even Kara realized until, you know, this whole mind wipe thing happened and she had to start, she had to really deal with not having Alex as that part of her life. Um, like how important that was and how much that, how much that affected her, because even though she's, you know, she's grown and changed and she's obviously not the little, you know, teenager she was when she arrived on earth, but she still is kind of lost without that, that grounding that her sister gave her. Um, and, and I think that, and I think that, I mean, we also see that in Alex too, even though it's a little less apparent, I mean, because we see a lot in Cara and Cara and see more how she struggles. Um, but, but I think it does kind of say a lot about, um, kind of like how, how we can really, how we always kind of need someone in our corner, but also how we can be influenced by, by people who we don't, sometimes we don't even realize that they're important to us, but they make such a difference in our lives. So, uh, one of the things that I think about with Alex and Kara especially is uh, the beginning of season three, because season three was uh, Kara trying to figure out how to deal with the loss of Monel. And I know uh, our listeners are uh, are varying degrees on what we call the mod <laughs> scale, uh, uh, positive or negative. Uh, but uh, in terms of the storytelling, uh, the the situation in season three was really hard for Kara because she had to let Monel go in order to save his life. And uh, so that kind of put her into a, a really bad place for her emotionally. She had to figure out how to deal with that. And it was hard for her at first. So I was wondering if you could speak to what you think about how the show handled uh, Kara's grief, uh, uh, trying to trying to move past her decision to send Mono away in order to save his life and and how she handled that and how even you know Alex helped her through that a little bit and and so did all of her friends uh but uh, but I was wondering if you could speak to Kara's grief and and that whole arc in season 3 yeah and um and I think which I know I said this earlier but um you know one of the things that I really do love about um about this show is that they really do um, show and handle mental health um, situations or issues in ways that um, kind of you wouldn't expect. Um, and so, Kara, or Kara, I'm going to keep playing it, doing this. We, Only we, we do it too. I know. <laughs> It's because I rarely like talk about her and I'm normally writing her. So yeah. it doesn't make a difference. And yeah. then, <laughs> we, we talk about her every week and we still struggle. <laughs> so true. Um, <laughs> But, uh, but I mean, that's, that's real loss for her. And she is, and, you know, she goes from having that, that first love and feeling that security and feeling that normalcy. Um, and she basically resigns herself to his death when she has to send him off because she figures at that point, she's never going to see him again. She probably shouldn't see him again, you know, and, um, she's, you know, she knows she's making a decision that is, smart and that she and that is mature but it obviously still hurts and um and I think that um that was a really interesting way for her to handle grief um especially because um the other side of that is that she basically handled she went through that whole grief spiral and she obviously had to figure out how to deal with her feelings and um you know and even 
kind of deal with not, you know, having her sister there, but not having her boyfriend there, the person she really loved there. And then all of a sudden he comes back from this future where he's lived for like seven years and he's got a whole new girlfriend slash wife. (laughs) What? (laughs) And she's like, wait a minute. Like this, first of all, like I cried over him. Like, you know, I got like through all my grief and now there's just like all this, she's like anxious and confused and she has to deal with him coming back and, you know, she still loves him. Um, and, and I think that's something that doesn't really get touched on a lot. And with a lot of characters, it's like you kind of deal with a character sending someone off or losing someone and then that's it. And you deal with their grief and, uh, and you kind of move on. But I liked how the show kind of didn't let that, um, it didn't really let that sit you know, for, for a really long time, it it had her go, it kind of had her go through it. It had her, and it didn't shy away from it either. It had her experience it. It had her go through the ups and downs and it showed her grieving and it showed her healing. And then it showed her having to kind of deal with the other side of that when he came back and how that made her feel and how, and then, and how she had to deal with those feelings. Um, and, and I think that's something that's, you know, that's kind of very real that people don't, don't really talk about a lot. Um, and I, I love that the show kind of went in that direction that they kind of gave her a, a full circle kind of moment to, um, to kind of come to terms with what it means to grieve someone, to lose someone, to, um, kind of to realize what your, you know, relationship or love represented. Um, and, and then come out on the other side kind of stronger and more assured about your feelings or, um, or, you know, what you felt about your history because you've gone through all that, which kind of really ties back to a lot of what the, um, kind of the whole point of, of the book is that you can go through all these things that are sometimes hard and, it and bad and feels like everything is the end of the world. But at the end, like you do come out stronger because you've experienced them and allowed yourself to have those experiences. Yeah. Personally, I think season three is one of the strongest for the character of Kara because she goes through all of, all of those things. And I, I really appreciate that the show paid a lot of attention to what Kara was going through emotionally and, and, and inside of herself, because at the very beginning, one of my favorite episodes of season three is the first episode, the premiere, Girl of Steel, where she has this huge fight with Alex where she says, Cara Danvers sucks right now. She would rather be Supergirl because Supergirl's going out there and saving the world. And and she doesn't want to be Cara Danvers, the sad girl whose boyfriend is gone. You know, she doesn't want to have to deal with her emotions there at the beginning of the season. Um, and And she thinks that it would be easier for her to just be Supergirl and save the day. And so she has to go through all of that to get to the point where she can get out of her brokenness. She she tells Jean, you know, I can't help people if I'm broken. And every time I watch that scene, it, bra- it breaks me up. 
um, because sometimes I've felt like that, where I felt um, broken, uh, you know, physically or emotionally or mentally. And so it, I can I can understand that when Kara says that. And so she, uh, we get to see her going through all of those things, trying to get herself out of that rut, out of those feelings, and to a good place. And then it's extra tragic because Monel, <laughs> the person she wants to see so badly, uh, comes back and it's not what she would have wanted. She would have wanted him to come back and they would get back together and everything would be a happy ending. And it doesn't turn out that way. So yeah, it is It is really interesting to, to go back and see that play out over the course of the season uh, because it is a really strong character arc for Kara. I love that she has that line that, you know, when she says, I can't help people if I'm broken, because I feel like, again, that's so much of what so many other, you know, so many people and so many characters and like other, you know, characters in this book think that because, or even like what people in general sometimes think, like you were saying, like, you think that, and I think that like, you know, you, you're going through something, you're having so many, you know, you have your own issues, you're upset, you're grieving, you're, you know, anxious, you're experiencing PTSD, you're, you know, whatever, like you can't help people, like you feel helpless. And that's not the truth. You can, you can work past that. You can, um, you're stronger because you've undergone those things. But in the moment, it's really hard to, to see yourself as, kind of anything or anyone worthy. Um, and, and I think that by, by showing, by the show, showing the strong, you know, superhero character saying that and having that vulnerability, um, my hope is that like, you know, other people, the people who watch it, who might not be familiar with the character or might not, you know, even be familiar with what she's struggling with mental health, you know, see that and relate to that. And it gives them, like, I hope that, um, that that whole arc or, you know, those words really give someone that strength to be like to see themselves in her. Oh, yeah. Getting to see Supergirl, who has all of these amazing powers, uh, break down and, and feel broken, that it, it inspires me because it, it brings me down, <laughs> brings me down to her level uh, <laughs> a little bit to, to feel what she's feeling. And so I think the show for me personally, um, I don't know how you feel about that, Morgan, but I, I feel like the show is at its best when it shows that more vulnerable side of Kara because I can relate to her. I can connect to her on that. I can't connect to the level where she's shooting fire out of her eyes. But I can't. You can't? No, you can't. I mean, that's like an everyday occurrence for me. <laughs> but but I think I think that's a good point. I think when she is vulnerable or um, you know not always perfect, I think it's sometimes it's hard to connect to a character who is you know really strong and always knows what the right thing to do is and always does the right thing. Um, I think it's more impactful to see a hero who stumbles or who struggles and who still pushes past that struggle to do the right thing. So I I, I really like it when Kara um, goes through goes through something emotionally on the show that we see um, because it it's sort of it's relatable. It's oh I you know I've been through a tough time too and like if Kara can get through it you know if Kara can get through her her ex boyfriend suddenly coming back years later. <laughs> <laughs> from the future, <laughs> wife from the future, then then sure, I I can get over the fact that I just dropped my ice cream cone. Like, 
<laughs> we can all do it. But I, I mean, the uh, the problems that that Kara has are, you know, obviously comic book, you know, CW problems. So all of them have to do with aliens and love triangles, and sometimes <laughs> aliens in a love triangle. Right. But I think that the the way that she struggles and the way that they show her. Um, dealing with that struggle is something that you can actually take into your life as well. Andrea, so uh, just sticking with season three here, because I, I think season three had a lot of strong material related to this issue. Uh, I was curious what you thought about the episode Triggers with Sai and Kara experiencing some some panic attacks. Do you have any thoughts on that episode? Um, I just, I loved that. I, I feel like it's going to come off wrong that I love that um, she that one of my, that one of the things that, um, Cara did in that episode was say, I'm stronger than that. And kind of denied that she had kind of any kind of, that she showed any vulnerability, um, like any kind of, of panic. Um, mostly because I think that like what, we were talking about before that she sees herself as so strong and she sees herself as the person that has to, especially when she's Supergirl and not just Kara, um, she has to be the one that, you know, is there for everyone else. She has to be the one holding everyone up. She has to, she's the one that everyone looks to as the strongest person and the, the one that's gonna, you know, save us. And the one that's always, um, that always has it together. And, and to me, it was just such like a sad, poignant moment when she, when she said that, because it was basically, cause I felt it was basically her saying, you know, I can't, I can't be that person that gets panic attacks. I can't, you know, I, I can't be that person that, that falters because I'm stronger than that. I, I'm, I'm super girl. I'm a superhero. I'm not, I'm not supposed to have, you know, the same vulnerabilities as, as other people do. Um, and, and I think that's something that's, again, that's really relatable. Um, it's, I mean, I remember like specifically kind of tying it back a little personally. Like I remember years ago when I was kind of experiencing my first, um, like my first issues with, anxiety and having like kind of mild anxiety attacks. And I really didn't know for a while, like what was wrong with me because I had never, I'd never kind of really had them before. And I'd never really felt that before. And I just remember feeling like, so, I don't know, so defeated, I guess. And like, I was afraid to talk about it with people and I didn't want to go get therapy because, you know, that was like a sign that, you know, oh, like, I don't need therapy. Like, I'm stronger than that. And I think I, like, I did go to therapy and I tried and I went to like six months of sessions. And I remember like vividly, I would sit there and she would ask me how I am. And I'm like, I'm fine. And then like, that would be like the whole session. Like, I would not talk about anything because I like didn't know how to open up. And I kind of just refused to talk about like why things were bothering me or why like I would be on the way to work in the morning and just suddenly feel like so out of sorts about everything. Um, and so, and so that was like me and a normal human who was probably just experiencing a lot of the, you know, early mid twenties, like issues of growing up and living on her own and, you know, all the, the things that come with, being responsible and adulting and mm, in this yeah. world um, and not being like a superhero, but it's kind of that same 
that same like kind of method of denial in, you know, I'm like, I'm stronger than that. I am not that person that, you know, that suffers like other people do. Um, and, and it did like, it made me sad that she immediately kind of just brushed it off like that, even though I know it was really her denial more than anything else. But I also think it was really important to show because again, I think that's, it's very relatable to what a lot of people probably think or feel, um, but they would probably never tell anyone that they would think it. Um, and then they would kind of just maybe hide in their shell like I did and think that, you know, no one, um, and just kind of suffer like alone about it. Well, Kara didn't handle it very well on the show the first time around when she had the panic, panic attack in the elevator where, uh, she f- flew out of the Catco elevator and through the roof of the building. <laughs> that was probably not the best way to handle that situation. Probably not. Uh, but she she did handle it a little bit better there the the second time around when she encounters Sai and she tells Alex all about her feelings about how what she was actually thinking she was seeing was her flying right away uh, from Krypton was actually Monel in the pod, and she has. Uh, all of those feelings that go along with that, and how she thinks that she's killed Monel, um, and Alex talks her down and gives her the the strength and the the encouragement to to carry on. And I think that scene to me is one of the real standouts of the show because uh, for me to get to see Kara, like we've talked about, uh, having those vulnerable emotions and and really putting herself out there and kind of letting that have its day, and then she sort of picks herself up and gets herself together and then she faces what she's got to face. And I think that's uh, one of the the strong scenes from the series that um, she, she can go through those terrible things and she can have those uh, feelings that bring her down, but she finds a way to, to get through them. Um, and so I, I really like that uh, scene from the episode triggers, which uh, does such a good job at showing that it's not just sigh causing those things for her she she's she's having to deal with real uh real attacks real panic attacks that um everyone can go through so um so it's uh very relatable that it's not just a a super villain that can cause those things sometimes sometimes we do experience those things things in real life but we can still you know we can still pick ourselves up as well especially if we have somebody who's supporting and, and listening to us uh just like alex does yeah and um and i know we've we've been talking about this a little bit throughout kind of the whole episode so far um but a lot of things that i really like you know kind of going back to like the red kryptonite also is that they don't just they don't just kind of have kara saying things or experiencing things and then um, you know, oh, she's magically cured and, you know, and she, you know, everything is fixed and she hugs Alex and, and that's okay. Like she talks about it or they talk about it and she realizes like, this is because of the grief I'm experiencing. This is because of the feelings that I still, you know, haven't gotten over that I've been denying or been pushing down. This is because of the anxiety I'm having because of those feelings. And, and I love that they actually address that and they kind of bring that to the forefront rather than just saying like, yeah, you know, like I dealt with those things and, you know, it's hard, but no, I'm back. And, you know, and I still love you and, you know, you're still strong. And, and they really, um, they really do a good job of 
like I said before, taking those issues and um, kind of opening up and explaining how, you know, they're not just thing, you know, they're not just um, like powers or things caused by a supervillain. They're coming from real places that I don't think we can all relate to. Since we talked about uh, Kara and how she deals with some of these uh, mental health issues, we've seen on the show that they've let other characters explore that as well. And I think one of the the stronger ones, especially uh, from most recently in season four, we got to see James deal with some PTSD caused by Miss Tess Bunker and her <laughs> and her uh, and her shooting him in the uh, in the back. I think it was in the back at Catco. So uh, uncool! Surprise <laughs> twist: she is a uh, secret assassin. Uh, so she shoots him, and then because of that incident. Um, he experiences some PTSD when Red Daughter as Supergirl attacks the White House. And then he has all of these uh, f- sort of flashbacks and memories of what happens to him at his father's funeral. Um, and then we get introduced to his sister, Kelly, who actually is a psychologist. So, um, Andrea, what do you think about uh, the way that the the show has let uh, the character of James explore some of these issues? Um, I actually I love how I mean, I know that like this is obviously um, like my chapter in the book is on Supergirl and I've obviously focused on Supergirl, but I mean, just speaking about the show in general, like you were saying, I love that they've kind of opened the, I, I like how they've opened it up to explore um, those mental health issues or PTSD with other characters. Um, I think, you know, James has always been like a super interesting character to me personally. Um, and I've, and kind of since he, I remember thinking like when he became guardian, when he started like his whole, like, I'm, you know, going to become a superhero. I'm going to protect people. Like my first thought was like, Oh, this is going to really end well. <laughs> like, <laughs> this is just like the classic, like this is going to end well for him. Cause he's clearly just like, not gonna not do this without any problems. Um, but, uh, but I mean, James goes through what Kara goes through, which is that, you know, he thinks that he doesn't need help, especially because I think in his case, um, like from my perception of it, he's, you know, he's a, he's a male in charge of this huge company. He's seen as kind of the leader of the strong leader of this whole corporation. He feels like he has a lot of responsibility. Um, and then obviously in his spare time, you know, he's saving people (laughs) and kind of like keeping everyone safe. And he's, you know, he feels that if he can do all that, he, he shouldn't, really be dealing with uh, this trauma like he you know he's strong enough to get over that he's he has like a reputation to uphold and he has you know he has to show the world he's a certain um kind of he's like a certain level um and I'm gonna feel so bad saying this but like I do think it's different for him as like a male character in this world like to like for someone like Kara like she I feel like she has to work like really hard to kind of show that she's still strong despite everything. But like James kind of already has all those expectations placed on him anyway, because of his gender and the, and his role in the show and at Capco. Um, And so like for him, it really feels like he, you know, for him to accept his trauma is probably is harder than in a, 
a lot of ways than Kara, um, which I just thought was the watching it was that whole kind of arc play out was like super interesting to me because it was um, like I got to kind of watch two different explorations of mental health. Um, they got to watch Kara's side of it. And then, you know, I got to watch James's side of it. Um, but uh, but I'm I'm kind of glad. I mean, I'm just glad that they actually kind of broadened the the scope of kind of what um, what they would let each character deal with, because I think it really does humanize them. Um, and I loved seeing like that kind of mental health aspect played out um, within his character. And I love the fact that they brought in his sister, who, like you said, specializes in trauma. And she became, I love that she became such a prominent part of like the last half of the season um, because it was just, it, I think it was just like so important to have that other voice there, um, especially like knowing what, Kara had gone through and what she was going through with Red Daughter and then what James was going through. Um, and, and it was, you know, I just, I, I really loved how they handled a lot of things. I know that like there's been issues over <laughs> what people think of certain things that happened last season, but, <laughs> um, but like, I personally um, loved how they handled a lot of it. Yeah. Uh, the PTS D arc for James was probably the most interesting James has been in a long time. <laughs> yeah, I was he's trying to figure to out do. a nice. I was trying to figure out a nice way to be like, well, like he's always been a great character, but like they well, never they really never know what to do with this character until. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he he has spent a lot of his time living under that desk, and I feel like that's got to take a toll on you. <laughs> Uh, yeah, uh, that that could maybe be a metaphor of how he doesn't want to talk about his feelings. He just goes under that desk and hides away. Uh, but yeah, so I think that was a great storyline for James because it did make him have to look inward and have to face some of the things that have uh, been building up inside of him for a long time and uh, getting to know his sister and how they they have they have a really interesting dynamic in how they handle that kind of thing, and I think they had to work that out together, which was uh, a, a a good way to do that because uh, Kelly kind of came in a little cold for me, yeah. uh, and uh, I had to, I had to warm up to her, and I think because of how she and James connected over that trauma, I think uh, did a lot for her character. So I, I do think it's good to have a character like that uh, within the show. Uh, because so many of these characters, they have very weighty lives. They have to save they the really world do. all the time. So tiring. Yes, every May, uh, something goes. <laughs> every May, every May, something every goes. Every May, down. and then a crossover. Like, there's a <laughs> <laughs> that's true. That's true. We can't forget the crossover. That's a. That's when the real estate prices really drop. <laughs> <laughs> well, there there usually is some sort of crisis that happens, uh, literally. Uh, so there uh, there are a lot of good things there to explore with James, and they actually went you know a step further it wasn't just a, a metaphorical allegorical kind of thing for him he actually did go to therapy they showed him going to therapy and learning uh techniques and how to calm himself and uh go to his safe place so i thought that that was very uh very well done in terms of showing how a real human would deal with that you know it, it wasn't just you know a super powered person doing that although james did get superpowers by the end of the season but we're not gonna talk about that uh so <laughs> he if he at that point was just 
you know, James Olson going to therapy. And so right. I, thought, I thought that that was uh, a good way to show that and, and show that that's, that's a good and positive thing to do to, to get those feelings out um, so that you don't bottle them up. And speaking of bottling things up, I was just curious, since we're heading into season five, uh, the truth about Kara's secret identity has come out uh, to Lena Luther. She has discovered that Kara is Supergirl. Dun, dun, dun. Do you <laughs> think there might be some uh, uh, issues there for Lena to have to deal with and, and work oh, out on her end? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I've, been, I've been on the train with everyone else, which is probably since, like, you know, for, like, at least, like, two seasons being, like, okay, is this the season that she's going to find out? Is this the season she's going to find out? And I'm like, really? Come on. There's got to be some point when she finds out. So I've just been <laughs> like, which I'm sure is like most people that watch, like I've just been waiting for like, okay, like, is this the episode that's going to happen? Is this the episode that it's going to happen? Um, I'm just like, honestly been waiting for it because I'm like, that's like with James, like this is not going to end well. Like, you can <laughs> And, um, but yeah, I mean, I do think, I think one of the things I'm really, really looking forward to in season five, given how we ended season four is how Lena's going to deal with those feelings. Um, because, because also it's, you know, it's Kara not telling her, like she wanted to tell her and she didn't. And she, um, like it was, I mean, I don't know. I guess it was, wasn't really her fault that she didn't, but I mean, she, she did want to, and it probably would have been hard enough coming from her, but maybe it would have been a little bit of a different dynamic. But the fact that she knows and Kara doesn't know that she knows is, and she has to kind of deal with that and face her and figure out her feelings, I think is going to be super interesting. Um, because Lena as a character is someone that I love watching because she's you know she's dealt with her own crap as we saw um and she had to fight for a lot of like a, a lot of her victories and she had to um you know she had to fight through a lot of her own anxieties and own family issues um and uh to finally come to a place where she feels like she has this family, she has this best friend that, you know, she feels connected to and that she finally, like for the first time in her life, she feels like she's in a good place to have that rug pulled out from underneath her and then kind of have it in that sense of betrayal, like not even have the person that she's trusted say to her, like, look, like I wanted to tell you, I'm really sorry. I hate that I'd be keeping this from you. Like, I feel really bad. You're my best friend. Like all of that to just have someone tell her and have her realize it and know that someone's been like keeping that from her all those years is, uh, I think it's going to be really interesting to see how she handles it because as we've seen, Lena is someone who does not talk about her feelings very often. Um, and she's also really good at doing the whole Luther thing where she just pushes everything under the rug and pretends that everything is fine and plays nice as we saw. And I think it was the finale when they were all at each other, when they were all playing a game night, I think. Oh, yeah, I'm pretty yeah, sure yeah. that was well, didn't isn't it Lena that, that gave um, Brainy that advice to like put his feelings into like little boxes, yeah. like just yeah. put a box within a box within a box, just bury it <laughs> down like, deep, 
Like, mm-hmm. don't, don't worry that's about it. Good. That's exactly what you should be doing. <laughs> exactly. Bury it down deep. Don't worry. It'll never pop up again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Lena, uh, even without the reveal that Kara is Supergirl, Lena has some issues. She watched <laughs> She watched her mother die. Her uh, her adoptive uh, mother is kind of a, a a psychopath. She might have slightly poisoned her adoptive mother. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> she just shot the light she, just a light poisoning. She shot her brother. I mean, she she has so many more issues aside from <laughs> from Kara being Supergirl. Uh, that's the least of her worries. Uh, but she was betrayed by both Eve and Kara within the same. I guess in the time frame of the show. I guess within the same year. So that's a lot of betrayal to deal with and not knowing who to trust and um and feeling like you're maybe not good enough for someone to tell you the truth uh so i I do think lena has a lot of things that she could she could work through as well so i'm i'm looking forward to some maybe good storylines for lena and dealing with her her character and and her emotions uh in in future episodes or future seasons of the show and there are so many other characters that we could talk about i mean we could talk at length about rain and sam and how all of that stuff played out because there was a whole mental dynamic between those two (laughs) characters within one person the mind forest yes the 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 rain rain forest forest. let's let's give it its proper name (laughs) because it's such a good name i just want to do like a whole podcast on what was her name grace grace <laughs> the one that gave up immediately yes. <laughs> my, favorite, my favorite one <laughs> one of the best villains the show has ever produced uh she was fantastic um yeah so we could talk about rain and sam uh we could talk about in the book you mentioned Kara's work-life balance i mean we could talk about that there's so much to talk about on supergirl with within the the context of this topic um but i was wondering just to, to kind of wind down our discussion what what do you think ultimately it is that we can learn about self-care from the character of Cara Danvers on Supergirl? The most important thing that we can learn is that um, being kind of proactive in helping others the way Cara does um, can is something that can be really beneficial to you. Um, and it doesn't mean, you know, running around and saving people and being a superhero, but, um, like after she starts kind of getting back into the groove and after she starts saving people again and helping people, her confidence, um, improves and she's happier. And, and that all comes from, um, just the fact that she's putting herself out there, she's helping others, she's putting forward what she's kind of learned and experienced into the world. Um, but uh, and I think, you know, she sh- and we talked about, I know we talked about this a lot in the episode, um, but I mean, embracing your kind of your vulnerability, your, your weaknesses really does make you stronger. Um, I know that we we tend to think of Supergirl as just being, you know, someone with all these powers and she's strong all the time, but, um, like clearly she's clearly she's not. And, um, I think embracing that is something that's, uh, really, really, really important and showing that you can have those panic attacks. You can have those, uh, anxiety attacks. You can have that PSD. PTSD, you can have all those things and you're not, 
it doesn't make you weaker. It, it makes you stronger. Um, and I think, you know, seeing those things and seeing what she goes through and having that, um, kind of having those experiences, um, is really something that, that we can take a lot of lessons from because, you know, if, she's a superhero and she can get through all those things, then, you know, why can't we get through all those things? And I think we should uh, sort of end our conversation talking about um, uh, the organization, uh, well, the mental health awareness campaign that Chris Wood, who played Mono on Supergirls, sort of started up. To, to my understanding, Chris Wood started it, and then Melissa Benoist and a, a lot of the other Supergirl cast members uh, started to support it and promote it. Um, I Don't Mind is a mental health awareness campaign and lifestyle brand working to defeat the stigma around mental I- illness. And their goal is to get people talking about their minds and uh, what they're thinking and just to generate positive messaging about mental health. And so uh, I think if you want to go check that out, I think it's I don't mind.com. Yeah, it's I don't mind.com. So if you want to look into that and see what that's all about, um, that's something that I know Melissa Benoist has spoken about and uh, is something that uh, they're hoping, you know, creates conversations and creates the ability for other people to listen and support one another and just uh, be able to speak about these issues without feeling ashamed uh, or denying them, um, as sometimes we've seen on the show, that people are open and, and discussing these things, um, because that that is really important that, you know, that you're not putting your feelings and your emotions all in little boxes, because that is kind of terrible advice. Um, but uh, I, I think that's a, a great thing that the, the cast of Supergirl are doing, that they are um, opening up those conversations and um, telling people it's okay that you can that you can talk about that that kind of thing. Our brains are very delicate and fragile and complicated things, and you know we both, Chris and I, believe that you know you should take care of them the way you take care of the rest of your body, the way you go to the gym to take care of your your health. You should go to a therapist or a counselor to take care of your mind. Um, and it's not a shameful thing. So I've been really involved in helping him come up with you know, who we want to target, young people, but anyone really, and just get people talking about the way they feel with each other and being open to listen Mm -hmm. and um, be there when someone needs a helping hand. I love the fact that Melissa herself has been really open about what she's struggled with and, you know, how she's had some mental health struggles and she's, um, you know, she's been very open about the fact that this is a thing that I go through. This is an organization that I support. And I think that's really important for people to see, um, especially, you know, people, I tend to put myself, I tend to put like myself into a little box and like, think about like everyone who watches the show is like us, like not the millions of thousands of people out there who can be anyone from like really young kids to teenagers, to people who have no idea, you know, what, who these actresses even are. And so for her to put herself out there like that and be open about some of the same things that people might see the character doing, um, I just, I love that there's that transparency. It's a good example to, to set for, for, for all of us that we can, we can talk about these things and uh, be open about uh, everything that we're dealing with because that is really important. Well, Andrea, thank you so much for uh, coming on uh, Supergirl Radio and talking about your book, Geek Girls Don't Cry, Real Life Lessons from Fictional Female Characters, because I think it does a good job uh, speaking about, um, you know, being open and talking about these issues that these 
these female characters in these fictional stories deal with, but something that also translates to, to real life and things that we're dealing with. So thank you uh, for not only being on the podcast, but for writing the book and uh, making that available to people. And speaking of which, how can our listeners get get the book, pick the book up and, and find you on the internet? Uh, so you can find the book on uh, basically anywhere that books are sold. Um, you should be able to find it. Um, it's on Amazon. It's on Barnes & Noble. It's on IndieBound. Um, supposedly, it's at places like Walmart and Target, at least online. I Ooh. have not seen them in the stores, supposedly. At least That's it's exciting. online there. I have seen it online. <laughs> Um, but, uh, but it should be pretty readily available. I've actually, um, seen a lot of tweets about how people have been finding it in the library or being like gifted them in the library, um, which is also kind of cool. So if you are a person who loves the library or doesn't want to, or wants to support libraries or doesn't, you know, necessarily want to buy a book, um, it should be available, uh, in your local library, uh, if you, if you check. Um, and as, for me, uh, you can find me on Twitter um, at underscore a towers, and you can find me on Instagram at underscore Andrea Towers because apparently everyone took my name at some point when I was trying to make a How handle. How dare and they? Left was underscores to differentiate <laughs> me. So, um, I also. Um, I also have a website, um, andrea-towers.com, where I uh, post, I try to keep it updated, but that's where I post all my book appearances, con appearances, um, my books and upcoming news and, and all that stuff, So, and how you can contact me in other ways. So I am very readily available on the internet. That's awesome. Yeah, it's a, it's a really good book. If, uh, if anybody's interested in picking up picking it up I definitely would recommend it it's very easy read has a lot of practical things uh, you know in terms of advice and uh, just going through the characters and and what they're going through and I I think it's a, a really good read and something that Supergirl fans should definitely check out Well, if you would like to contact Supergirl Radio, you can post a comment on our website at supergirlradio.com. You can email us at supergirlradio at gmail.com. If you'd like to leave us a voicemail, you can call us at 678-718-7252. But make sure to do that before Tuesdays at 6.30 p.m. Eastern. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter and Instagram, all at Supergirl Radio. And uh, you can check us out on Google Play, iHeartRadio, Spotify. We also have a Spotify playlist that has music featured on uh, and inspired by the show. We're also on Radio Public and Podchaser, basically anywhere you can find podcasts. Mm-hmm. Uh, we are listed on DC's fan page, which you can find at dccomics.com forward slash DC dash fans. We're available on Apple Podcasts and Stitcher Radio. So if you have time, we encourage you to give us a rating and write us a review over there. And if that's very overwhelming to listen to all of those things, I totally understand. It's a lot of information. Uh, Morgan does not have to read that list every week, uh, <laughs> though I do. Uh, it is a lot of information, but if you just go to supergirlradio.com and go to the right side of the page, we have all those links available, so you don't even have to remember anything I just said. You can find all the links over there. Uh, and uh, so we're now going to throw it over to Ashley for the DC TV plugs. If Supergirl Radio fills your heart with glee, then follow the network for DC TV. Don't fail this city, you've got to hear Quiver, where Amanda and Mike will always deliver. Then run along and check out The Flash, Andy and friends make quite the splash. Don't forget the legends like they all forgot Rip. 
these ladies would never jax you to the time ship. Then join Clement and Nate in the incredible Brit for Black Lightning's podcast where we all get lit. We come to iZombie, which is very alive, except maybe after the end of season five. Our newest addition to our CW crew is the Batwoman podcast ready for you. We jump over to Sci-Fi, a whole different channel, to check out Krypton way before our bro Kal-El. Then there's DC Universe so we can all stream. The awesome show Titans, we're only summer teens. And if you love the oldies, may I recommend classic DC TV. Honestly, 10 out of 10. That's it, I hope. Please, Andy, good night. But I would make an exception for Young Justice, all right? Check out DC TV Podcasts on Apple Podcasts, Facebook, and Twitter. You can find me on Twitter at DerbyKid and Instagram at the Derby Kid. So, Andrea, I definitely feel your problems with <laughs> Someone that. Someone else feels me. <laughs> <laughs> I had some issues with my social media account names as well. Uh, I also voice a character named Leanne on a sketch comedy podcast called The Fakest. We've got some new uh, season two episodes coming out. Uh, some some stuff goes down at KCOM Studios. Uh, it's very exciting. And I also had to do a little improvisational uh, stuff, which I'm very terrible at. I'm not a good improviser. I don't know why Bill makes me do it. I don't believe that you're not a good improviser, Rebecca. I'm not. I'm just not. I feel if like he... you can use those interviewing skills and oh. <laughs> yes and. Yes. I'm, I'm all about the yes ending, but uh, I don't know exactly what to say. And it's harder for me to do it as a character. You know, like if I if I'm just, you know, me chiming in uh, as myself, that's one thing. But when I'm trying to be Leanne, it's a little more difficult and having to interact with another character who is improvising. I'm just I'm no good at it. Give me a script. I can I can do it. But (laughs) improvisation is a completely different animal. Uh, But if you're interested in seeing how that goes. Uh, there's an episode of The Fakest that will be coming out where Leanne is uh, hosting her own little podcast. Uh, so it's something I kind of know something about. Uh, so that should be coming out soon. So definitely check that out. And uh, I'm also a contributor to Justice League Universe podcast. So if you're interested in the DC films, uh, give it a, a, a listen because it's a breakdown, scene by scene analysis of all the films. So if you're if you're into that, check it out. And you can find me on Twitter and Instagram. I'm at Mojotastic. You can also find me as a co-host of the Legends of Tomorrow podcast. We're going to be doing our season overview this week. I realize I said that maybe three weeks ago. <laughs> but, you, know, you know, what we like to do is we like to keep you on your toes by just continually lying to you. So will it be this week? I don't know. You have to subscribe to find out. But really, it will be this week because we keep putting it off and we can't do it anymore. So <laughs> if you have any uh, comments or want us to talk about anything particular about the season, you should get those in now um, at legendspodcast at gmail.com and uh, a the Twitter account that we have that I can't remember. <laughs> There's an underscore in it, though. I'm pretty sure. There is. I think it's Legends underscore podcast. I think you're right. I love that you know it and I don't. <laughs> We're really organized over on the Legends of Tomorrow podcast. I think As that kind of tracks show. with the show. So it, it feels correct. It was, it was a character correct choice that we made to just never be prepared. <laughs> well, I definitely look forward to that because you know what? I don't watch 
the show, but I listen to the podcast, so I'll be looking forward to to hearing about this in the season wrap, uh, the you know the wrap up, the recap, so I can really di- dive back into the the uh, the arc of the season of the show I didn't watch. So I'm very <laughs> excited <laughs> about uh, going back and revisiting revisiting that. Well, I think that's going to do it for our discussion about Geek Girls Don't Cry. But until next time, I'm still Rebecca Johnson. And I'm still Morgan Glennon. To quote Geek Girls Don't Cry, Kara shows us nothing is impossible. If Supergirl can do it, so can we. (laughs) 